Thank you, Paula. So how was your week this week? One of those weeks that you go, thank you, Lord, it's over. Or one of those weeks that gone, okay, let's have it again. Um, in the midst of where we are now, um, there are, we have realized that <clears throat> with the pastor's reservation that was made known last week, that <clears throat> the church is experiencing a variety of emotions and feelings. Um, and we want to re- recognize that. And those emotions can range from anywhere from sh- being shocked to being saddened and dismayed. Um, these are common emotions that we struggle with, and we will experience any of those in between those parameters. But realize that in our lives that we have in Christ, we will have weeks like that, which causes us to really stop and to be saddened and experiencing those emotions. And there are times that we feel we need to go to our safe place. Remember that TV commercial or radio commercial? The guy's in the tree and he's getting the cat out. He falls and gets stuck in the tree. And his daughter says, don't worry, Ma, uh, Dad, I'll go get Mom. Go to your safe place. And, he, and um, she takes off, goes to get Mom, and Mom comes out and rescues the, the uh, father out of the tree. But we at times want to take that emotion and say, this is too much. Let's, let me go to my safe place. What is your safe place? We are tempted at times to step back from what is going on, to disengage and run and hide to our safe place, a comfortable place that we feel safe and secure, disengaging from us from all of life. But we need to stop and ask the question, or stop and say, no, I don't need to run to my safe place. It's Christ who fills me. It's Christ who gives me strength to stand firm. And that's what our passage that we're going to be looking at today is, He gives us strength to stand and face what we need to face. Yes, it's hard and sometimes very unpleasant, but you know God is still here. He's still involved. And there's one thing that we need to remind ourselves. This is a question that I want to pose to you. Do we let our lives be determined by external circumstances of life rather than the indwelling power of God? Every day we are faced with decisions and confrontations and temptations. And we need to ask, will I let outside circumstances control me? Or will I let the indwelling Spirit of God do it? In many situations, we do allow external circumstances to control and dictate our emotions and our responses and actions, not the eternal. In a different way of saying this, we, can, we let the world control us and our emotions and not the power of Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, Solomon says, under the heavens, we accept that life is difficult and that there's necessary to grow into our kingdom calling and the power that comes with it. Because if you remember Ecclesiastes, he really lays it down on the line saying everything's meaningless. Um, 
I have all this wisdom and it's meaningless. Um, but there are some truths that we can come back to and say, these are firm things we can stand on. God is still sovereign. He's still the Lord Almighty, all-knowing, compassionate, ever-present, faithful to us. God is still in control. God still cares about how we respond to these moments of life. It matters to Him how we respond. Do we disengage or do we engage under Him and His power? He still calls us to live in Christ every day. So that maybe the better question that we need to ask is, how do we process these circumstances in life with the eternal view or God's view or the Lord's view? There, and that comes to us, that brings us to our focus passage that we want to look at. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. A very small passage that Paul puts in the midst of his closing of the letter to the church at Corinth. And he's, he's telling all these little things at the end of that chapter 16. And he sticks this verse in there. And it's easy to overlook. And all of a sudden you, you just bypass, you're running through that he's talk, sending a message to this person, he's reminding this person and, and such. And then this little truth that he throws there in there. And it's very easy to overlook. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth because they need it. For the first 14 chapters, he has constantly challenged them on what they are doing. Uh, they are in a spiritual and moral stupa. For 14 chapters, Paul had rebuked them, corrected them about their behavior, their practices, their misunderstanding of theology. Paul was hard at times, but everything he said to them was done out of a deep, deep sense of sincere love for them. These five commands that are listed there, Paul gave to the church for powerful, eternal, uh, eternal living. Something that we can claim to every day. So let's look at the first one. It says, <clears throat> be on your guard. Okay? Maybe another way of saying this is to be alert. Wake up, be vigilant, be alive. Because there are these people are not alone and they allowed a lot of pagan practices to get back into their lives. They were unaware how easy that was happening. And so Paul had to write to them and saying, stop this. You're allowing too, of, too much of your old nature, your old practices to come into the church and into your life. And it's causing problems. It's destroying your faithfulness to God. And your fellowship to one another is destroyed because of that. Now, we can allow bad habits to do that to us as well. Uh, there are times that <clears throat> we allow certain things back in our lives that God says, you don't need that anymore. And we compromise our spiritual life with God. So we need to be alert on how we walk daily with the Lord. 
What are my attitudes? What are my purposes? My desires? And there are they of God or not? How do I deal with temptation? Do I let it run amok in my life? Or do I stand firm and resist that? Because we know Satan has plans and constantly works to find a way to compromise us. For we know he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking those that he can destroy. Is apathy and indifference to others making invading in my life? Have I disregarded God's word for my life? So how do you overcome these things? Mark chapter 14, verse 38 says, Watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you, that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. God's strength in our prayers is our heartbeat of our spiritual life. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit for, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With, it, with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We need, is this something that we need to work on to be aware of? It leads us on to the next one, to be firm, to stand firm in the faith. This is the, the message of the gospel. Stand firm with that message. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you had taken your stand. To fight the good fight, 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then when I come and see you or hear about you in, your, in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving to together as one of the faithful of the gospel. Corinthians' view of the scripture was corrupt. Their human philosophy and wisdom started overtaking their understanding of God's word. They started discounting him, his word. They viewed truths of God as foolishness. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18, 19. Do not deceive yourself. If any one of you are wise by the standard of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God in sight, as it's written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. So that means that we need to be aware and be taught well in the Word, to look at everything and judge everything by God's truth and standards. We pray for ourselves and for the church. The next one is to be courageous. And sometimes you're thinking, well, does that mean what? Courageous. Well, do you stand out and throw yourself in front of something to protect others? It really deals with the maturity of your faith. The mature person has a sense of control, confidence, and courage that the immature or childlike person does not have. The church at Corinth demonstrated that their childish behavior in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. 
in regard to evil, be like infants. But in your thinking, be adults. Maturity is one of those marks of love, a virtue of which the Corinth church was deficient with. How to grow in maturity? Well, one of the best ways to grow in maturity is to spend time in God's Word. To read His truth. To understand the truth. To study them. We provide a lot of opportunities to do that here at church. Bible study, Sunday school, um, small groups and such like that. Second Timothy. Oops. Yeah, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is God read. It is useful for teaching, rebuke, correcting, and teaching in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We let the Spirit use that Scriptures in our lives. Many times He will recall to our memory a passage that speaks volumes to us, answers the question that we are dealing with at that moment. We go into the, start reading scripture and we're flipping through and you know how often you do, you flip through and you kind of glance through and you start reading and you read this one passage and it was like a light bulb that clicks because God is saying, hey, here's the passage that you need to read to help you with your question, with your situation, with the temptation that you're facing, with just everything in life. And so we need to practice that and work hard and and studying his word. The fourth command that Paul writes is to be strong. This really means the inner spiritual growth. We need God to strengthen us because we cannot do it on our own. He can work through us. And we do it by submitting to him, to Christ, in order that he can strengthen us. Be strong in the Lord and strength for his might. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2, 1 says, You then, my brothers, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the different translations that are out, there is a translation called the New Living Standard, or New Living Translation. And in this passage, it writes, Timothy, my dear son, Strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. There he is. Spiritual strength comes from self-sacrificing, self-denial, and self-discipline. You're submitting yourself to God and saying, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you to help me answer this question. How will I answer this question? How can I face this situation? And you know, he provides that answer to you every single time. We just don't pray that and then wander away, not aware. But he comes back and says, here's your answer, Neil. Here's, here's what you need to know. The last command in that is to be loving. I like how Paul puts this on there. Throughout Corinthians, he has talked about love. The most famous chapter is love, uh, chapter 13, the love chapter that we use for weddings constantly, um, for everything. Um, he takes that concept of love and says, okay, you need to be on your guard, be aware. You need to be firm and stand firm. You need to be courageous and be 
hung, and he takes that and wraps everything around it in love. Because without love, it really, it's not who you want to be. The stronger that strength that comes from him. Love balances and complements everything that we do. It's, soft, it's a softening principle because it keeps our firmness from being too hard. Have you met people that they stand firm, but they're so hard that there's love that is missing in their life? It keeps our strength from being domineering, uh, demanding. It, it takes on from being self-denial to demanding itself, demanding its rights. It keeps our maturity gentle and considerate. We don't use it as to lord over somebody or saying, you don't know, you sit here and, and I will share you the, what you need to know. I'm the mature one, you're not, and so you need to just sit and be quiet and listen. It keeps our right living from becoming smug self-righteousness. Love does that. And we all have experienced that at times. The church at Corinth really needed to hear that and accept that and really incorporate it in their lives, just as we do, and all believers that need it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. About all, love one another deeply, because love covers a multitude of sin. And we know that the love chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul lists 15 characteristics of love. We know them. But one truth about these characteristics is that we must work at it to make it a part of our lives. Love is hard work. Just think about your loving your spouse or a family member. At times, it's really hard work. It's amazing how they can be irritating and you, and you go, I still love you, but stop doing that. Um, just think of when you realize when we forget love in that whole process, we don't become what Christ is calling us to be. Love is hard work. But you know, it's really worth it. When you stop and decide, yes, loving one another works is worth it. It's one of those things that um, we realize that it's going to be hard at times. It's going to be difficult. We're such unique individuals and personalities and such. But it's worth it. And so Paul tells us, love one another. Love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. So what now? I like that question. It, <clears throat> it's one of those things that you go, okay, here's all the stuff that we're talking about now when it comes right down to it. Well, how does it matter to me? What does it matter? Why should I consider that? It does matter it doesn't matter because Christ says it matters. If he says it matters to him, if God says it matters to him, 
then I should be truly engaged in that. I want to remind you what you already know and what you already believe. I want to remind you that we are called to be filled with Christ. To stand firm in Christ. To be aware of the eternal view of life and to live in that view. Again, we're reminded that love is what binds us together. Binds all this together. So that our actions in response to the circumstances of life will be based in eternal values, internal view that looks beyond the immediacy. That does not mean it disregards it. It just means it's not in importance to the level of eternal circumstances. In we need to be confident in, in Christ because he says that. And he will strengthen us to face every circumstances with the grace and mercy and compassion that we need to do. If you look at your life over the past nine months, ten months, a year, two years, there are moments that you can chart out where you were faced with a challenge, faced with an important decision, faced with something that was beyond your control. What did you do? Did you get on your knees and pray and say, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm going to search your scriptures. And I have found this passage, Lord, that says this. Can I use this in my life to overcome this situation? What was his response to? Did he say yes? Or did you just completely forget to incorporate God in that entire process? Walking daily with Christ is a challenge. We face every day decisions, choices, temptations. And he has called us to walk with humbleness, with righteousness, every day. And some days we get to the end of the day and realize we didn't do well. But you know he forgives us. He cleanses us. We have everything we need in life, focus and deal with because Christ has given us everything we need to live powerful, eternal viewed life. We get to reveal Christ to those around us through our actions. We are faced every day with circumstances that can overwhelm us, but we are reminded that we are more than conquerors. We are children of the most high, mighty God, the King of all. He is faithful to us. He is empowering us to walk upright in righteousness, humbleness, and submission to Him. We have those five commands from Paul. Let me give you five words to go along with that. Engage. Pray. Study. Believe. And walk. Engage into life. Pray. Through every matter of life, through every situation, no matter how small or how big, study the scriptures. Look to see what God has revealed to others that are incorporated in his word. Spend time in doing that. Believe what you are reading. 
Don't let Satan take those words out of your heart saying, oh, that doesn't apply to you because you're this. And then walk. Put, put it to action. We need to spend time in prayer throughout the day for all matters of life. We need to study t- God's Word in systematic, organized matter. We need to share the truth with others in gentleness. And we need to walk daily with Him. And what joy do we get when we do that? Even in the midst of difficult decisions and life situations. Why we don't give up. We develop that perseverance and persistence, that prize that Christians live that was never promised. Paul constantly reminds us that we have a purpose. We have been given a plan because times will be difficult. Satan will attack. But we will never <clears throat> but we will receive the prize if we stay steadfast, if we stand firm, if we stay strong, if we are aware of what's going on, if we're courageous, and most of all, if we're loving. We must live a Christ centered, blameless, loving lives that will make a difference for God. So don't lose hope. Stand firm in Christ. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. So join me in prayer. Father, this, those commands that you gave Paul to share, not only with the church at Corinth, but to, to us today, reminds us how important it is to be strong in our life, to stand even in the midst of all that is going on, Lord, it's you that makes the difference in this world, makes the difference in our lives. When we feel we're overwhelmed and beyond and don't feel like we can handle anymore, we feel overwhelmed, feel like we're losing ground, we realize that you are beside ourselves, wrapping your arms around us, standing firm with us. And your spirit keeps whispering in our mind and heart, be strong. God is for you. He is all powerful and mighty. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you with such a deep love. You can do this. You can stand firm. You can be strong. You can be courageous. You can love others. Don't disengage. When we hear those words in our hearts, Lord, let us respond with only thankfulness and humbleness and a recommitment to stand for you. We thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you the way that you walk with us through every difficult situation, circumstance of life. And there are so many. And when we look at them, We know that you will be our strength, our hope, our God. So we thank you and praise you in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.